Thanks for listening to The Real Life Podcast. If you live in the Erie area, we invite you to join us in person on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. or live on Facebook and YouTube by searching Real Life Assembly. Now, here's this week's message. If you have been with us over the last couple of uh, weeks, uh, we've been in the series that we've entitled Sour Subjects, and uh, we've been talking about some things in church that maybe at times are a little uncomfortable to talk about in church. Uh, maybe these are topics that rarely get talked about in church, and so we've just kind of taken our, our summer series to consider some of these things a little bit more. Um, and, uh, and today's going to be a, another one. If you're, again, new to real life or maybe new with viewing in, uh, this isn't my normal uh, approach in, in the ministry or in preaching. I, I normally uh, kind of have a preaching gifting, but uh, this gives us a chance to be a little bit more interactive. Um, in fact, uh, we are going to release this week, um, there's going to be a number, uh, we'll put it out, I'm sure, on all of our social platforms, um, there's going to be a number that you can text in. Uh, it's going to be an, an open forum um, next Sunday. It's going to end our series. And so if there is a topic that we haven't touched on yet, or maybe something that you've wondered what kind of position do we need to have um, as a follower of Jesus, we're going to let you text those in. And then I'm going to try to get maybe through as many of them as I can next week, okay? So be looking for that text. And if there's something where, hey, pastor, what's our stand on this? Or what about this or that? Uh, maybe shoot me um, a couple of ideas and, and hopefully... Hopefully, we'll be able to incorporate those um, into the service, and maybe we'll try to get through a couple of them, um, or as many as we can uh, next week. Maybe to give you, again, some biblical positioning or some understanding about some of the things that we don't often get a chance to talk about um, in church or, you know, just kind of where culture is today. So, kind of with the idea of the, this, this sour subject series is I think that we've all had an experience where, you know, something just didn't sit right. We kind of got a feeling like, wow, like what do I do about that? Or, you know, some moments that happened to us, maybe we got involved in a conversation and it, you know, it kind of took a left turn on us or it went south and then we're kind of in it and then we're like, oh man, like how did I get here? Like this doesn't feel very good. And so as we've talked about some of these topics, it's been good for me to kind of read through and get some biblical perspective and talk about, again, some of these topics. And today, I think, is probably going to be the most sour of all the sour subjects that we're going to talk about this, uh, this summer, all right? If there's one that, you know, has probably given me some beads of sweat, things that I never thought I would ever address or ever talk about in church, I'm going to do it today. Mm, have I tantalized your mind now, right? Like, what are we going to talk about? So today I want to talk about the idea of the legalization of marijuana. I want to talk about the idea of the drug culture that uh, now is being opened up more and more, certainly in our society um, and in our world, and what do we do about that? What position do we take? I want to talk to you realizing that there are a lot of pastors and churches, congregations uh, that are struggling to talk about this legalization or the ethics that are surrounding this issue of what is still or maybe in the midst of changing what was illegal drug use. Um, and realizing that churches are going to be talking to people of all kinds of formats, of all kinds of lifestyles and backgrounds in their congregations or by way of online, that you know everybody is going to have some kind of thought or opinion 
or if you haven't had it now, you're going to have it. Because the idea of what we see with the proliferation of drug use and the legalization of certain drugs today is that it's not going to get less, it's only going to get more. And so it's better for us, I think, to have some kind of platform or some kind of idea about what do we do with it now before it gets too far away from us. Todd Miles is an author of a book entitled Cannabis and the Christian. What does the Bible say about marijuana? And he says a lot of older pastors in particular don't think this is an issue because they doubt that anybody in their congregation would be smoking pot. But the author says that is just not the case. And you might say, Pastor, are you real? Are we going to talk about this in church? You got to understand that Erie has a drug problem. Almost every city in America has a drug problem. And Erie, whether you know it or not, has a growing medical marijuana industry. We have several locations that are open, and we've got a factory that is producing medical marijuana, not only for this region, but for, for the United States as well. Here's some other facts about should we be talking about this kind of subject in church. Research has shown that nearly as many Americans use marijuana each year as they smoke cigarettes. That more than one out of every three Americans are living in a state where it's legal now to smoke marijuana recreationally. And these are becoming on the voting ballot more and more every year. 60% of U.S. adults say both medical and recreational marijuana should be legal. The author goes on to say, if pastors think their congregations aren't wondering about what to do with marijuana, whether it's recreational or medical, they're fooling themselves. You know, I kind of have that feeling, although I don't think that I am an older pastor yet. I kind of wrestled with this thought to think, is this really a topic? Are, are people at real life really struggling over the idea of the legalization of marijuana? Are our people smoking pot, or do you have medical marijuana cards? In fact, we're going to have the ushers check all of your wallets and purses on the way out just to verify today. And I thought, I don't know if that's kind of an issue at real life, and it might not be an issue today, but I recognize that our culture and as a church that we are going to have to face this issue, certainly in the months and in the years to come. And I think more than anything else, and what I want to do is more than just give you stats and figures today, is to help us about how we apply biblical wisdom to issues that, again, people would say or proponents say that the Bible doesn't directly address this issue. So obviously we don't find necessarily a lot of scriptures that deal with uh, this idea, although one one kind of, uh, I guess, wisecracking author put this out, that, that it actually is in the Bible. So if you would open your Bibles to John chapter 6, verse 10, it says this. Jesus said, have the people sit down because there is plenty of grass in this place. Okay, you probably have to be over 40 even to get that reference, okay? For those of you younger, another name for marijuana is grass, okay? So... So there's always somebody, right, that's going to try to figure out kind of the, you know, where's the wiggle room or, or how do we do this? And I think as a pastor today as well, it, it's important that 
we in some ways can equip you and equip the church to think biblically about some things that maybe aren't explicitly mentioned in the Bible. You know, a lot of people, well, you know, they, they're, they're kind of looking for such exactness of things. Well, you know, it doesn't say exactly, well, you know, obviously, of course not. It's not going to address. But, but in totality, the Bible addresses these kind of issues. And so I think that we need to have not only our own moral position, but we have to have a biblical position as well. And here's a, kind of a, a last point that, that I'll get to as well. I think that as Christian leaders, oftentimes we have relied on whether the medical field or other authority figures to lead the discussion on these kind of topics. In other words, when it, when it gets to kind of these sour subjects and, and a subject like this, the, the church has remained virtually silent. We're, we're afraid to talk about this kind of stuff, and so we don't. And, and I think it's wrong, and I'll address that kind of as we close today, that it's not the church's position to wait to wonder what does the government have to say, and then we just kind of fall in line and fall in step with that. I think we have to understand and we have live our life. What does God say about it? What does the Bible say? And that we be a force about how the government or how the community evolves around that. That we be a people that still honor the power of God's word, right? And we move in that kind of way. So... I want to talk about a couple of different lead-ins in this kind of subject. Again, maybe you've thought about it, maybe you haven't. Um, but it's a subject, again, I don't think that's going to go away, that, that we need to get some kind of basis or foundation. You know, the, the idea of, of cannabis, and obviously there is a lot of kind of variation in all of this. The, the, the THC um, is really that mind-altering part of marijuana or cannabis. And obviously there are now a proliferation of uh, CBD products, right, that are a variation of that, kind of the non-mind-altering uh, chemical that, that is in marijuana. And, and it is being articulated and, and sold. Uh, you're not just kind of finding little, like, kind of weeds or little balls of it. They're putting it in everything, right? Some of you have probably used, right, some type of CBD oil, maybe on joints or for migraines or... Again, in the last couple of years, it's kind of skyrocketed as this, you know, where has this hidden, uh, you know, medicine been that's going to make us all feel better all over again? I'll be honest with you. Uh, so we talked about in the past some of the uh, uh, vulnerability or, you know, kind of on this sour subject. I was, I think, probably on Facebook or, or some social platform about a year ago, and they were, they had these little ads and articles about Joyce Myers and Franklin Graham and all this kind of stuff about promoting, they're kind of doing this side business of selling CBD oil, right? And they're just kind of using celebrities and obviously looking into every genre or every type. And so I kind of clicked on it and I, it was when maybe Franklin Graham or I'm like, really? Like, you know, just talking about all these benefits and all this blah, 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 blah. And I think for like you know, $4.99, you can buy this sample, you know, da-da-da. And I'm like, eh, you know, like, you know, my knees hurt, you know, my back goes out more than I do now. Um, that was another joke. Man, like, come on, people, let's pick it up here a little bit. So I clicked it, and, you know, whatever. Within a week, this little sample bottle came and whatever. And then... Like within like four days, I happened to be looking on my credit card bill and I got billed for like, 
I think it was like, you know, this first thing was like $4.99. Then I got billed for $29.99. Like, what, what is that, right? And, you know, kind of this weird, you know, code or whatever, a phone number. And so I call, and I'm like, hey, you guys charge me $29.99. Like, who are you? They're like, oh, no, sir, you did that. I'm like, oh, I did not do that. Like, I'm like, oh, yes, you did. Do you remember buying that little, like, uh, sample pack of, you know, CBD oil? You know, I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. Well, in the very fine print that if you didn't cancel, that it was a subscription. And if you didn't cancel in three days, you were going to be billed like every 30 days, $29.99. I'm like, uh, and you know, I just sat back in my office and laughed because I couldn't even fight it. I'm like, you got me. Like, you guys, like, your marketing was spot on. Like, I bit and I'm going to pay the piper on this one, right? So I had to tell the guy, cancel my subscription. And he's like, yes, sir, and kind of laughing like, but we got you the first time, right? So obviously there are all of these hooks, right? We're kind of buying into the latest, greatest fads, right, that are going to do all of these things for us. So what do we got to know on this idea? You know, there are kind of the, certainly we could talk about the pros and cons, and some of the experts that I'm going to bring up here are, are going to help us to understand that process a little bit more but certainly the proponents of recreational marijuana would point out that in the Netherlands that they legalized marijuana way back in the 70s and it didn't lead to widespread crime, much less the collapse of the Dutch society. That, again, they are kind of held as a people group that have embodied it, that have embraced it, and, and it's only gotten better. There are supporters of legalization that argue that cannabis is safe, safer than alcohol or tobacco if used in moderation. And again, that might be somewhat startling to you, but in, actual, in actuality, there is some truth that is involved in that. You know, we've taken on the issue of alcohol a couple of times here at Real Life, and I'm not going to go too far into it today. But, you know, I think that there is some idea that we're going to try to figure out when we hear this word, the legalization. And all of a sudden, something that, no matter what it is, as long as it's legal, and long as I'm an adult, then it's okay. And sadly, the truth is, is that there is much or more that goes wrong because of alcohol than does by the recreational use of marijuana, whether we like to hear it or not. And maybe it's just the fact that it's coming into legalization, and because, uh, you know, statistics and numbers haven't been proven as long as there has been the alcohol ratio as well. And so I do want to challenge all of us at Real Life that whether it's cannabis or whether it's alcohol and whether we're adults or whether it's legal or whatever, these are things that are designed to change you, not to necessarily make you better, but to challenge some of the things that happen in your lifestyle. One author commented that my guess is that a better case would be made today to outlaw alcohol than to outlaw cannabis. And partly to the fact that 40% of all violent crimes in America are related to alcohol use. 40% of all fatal motor vehicle accidents and tragedies involve alcohol. I think there is some rationale in our brain is that it's okay because it's legal. It's okay because I'm an adult. But again, we don't follow governmental standards, we follow God's standards. And, and again, whether on this topic or the topic of alcohol, I'm not here to be your parent or your dad or to tell you, but I am here to warn you 
that just because it carries the label that I'm an adult or that it's legal doesn't necessarily mean that it's an open door for me to participate in either. We'll talk more a little bit about that. There are some experts that report that on the other side of where is marijuana, what, what do I need to know, that realize that there is a heightened awareness of sensory experience and studies conclude that the net effect of using marijuana in some degree of cognitive, brings some degree of cognitive impairment and a less executive function. So again, obviously, we're going to rationalize whatever we want, again, in an adult context to do whatever we want, but we realize that the truth remains that there is going to be something that is going to happen to us when we participate in this way. Being under the influence of marijuana can impair verbal and working memory, attention, and psychomotor performance as well. The National Institute of Drug Abuse concludes that frequent users of large amounts of marijuana are more likely to have lower life satisfaction, poor mental and physical health, and greater relational problems. The American Academy of Pediatrics states that marijuana use in teens and young adults results in impaired short-term memory, decreased concentration, attention span, and problem-solving challenges. Alterations in motor uh, motor control, coordination, judgment, reaction time, and the tracking ability has also been documented. And then the American Medical Association, the largest association of physicians in the country, believes that cannabis is a dangerous drug and as such is a serious public health concern. So I think the issue obviously is in the legalization, uh, in the usage, again, the amounts so where are all of these lines? And again, I would hope to say that a lot of us aren't struggling every week as to how much cannabis I should be taking, right? Or the challenge uh, as to its legalization. But chances are, if you've got kids coming through the program, they're going to be dealing with it. In fact, they're probably sure if they're in junior high or high school, they're already going to be dealing with it. I think I remember at least, Jocelyn, accurately while you were in high school to say, Dad, I could get almost... I could get almost any drug, Tori, right, at McDowell High School. Whatever drug I wanted, it's, it's there. So, again, for us to bury our heads in the sand to think that whether it's going to be a challenge for us as adults, it is a challenge for our kids, has been, and will be. And, and who do we want them to get the message from? The world, the community, or from God's Word and from godly parents, right? And so... I think the stand for you and I, and I think whether that's with anything that, that causes challenge, whether it's marijuana, whether it's alcohol, whether it's prescription drugs, whatever, that has a chance to, to addict us in certain ways. So what should pastors say to an adult Christian who intends to use marijuana responsibly, which is to say in moderation in the privacy of his or her own home? So again, obviously, we could live under the label to say, well, pastor, uh, and, and maybe not yet, you're going to hear maybe again more from our experts that there are some aspects here in Pennsylvania where this kind of use is still illegal, but in our neighboring state like Virginia, that the full-blown use of marijuana is totally legal. So my son lives in Virginia, and, and I was having this conversation with him, and he said, Dad, uh, most of the people that I hang out with, they, they smoke marijuana all the time, and it's fully legal in Virginia. This issue is obviously still being regulated state by state. Um, and so again, maybe there are some things that, 
we are a little bit tighter here, but we realize that this issue isn't getting smaller. It's only going to get bigger. So simply, I think, to insist that for us that it is immoral or just because it's no longer illegal, again, I don't think really gets to the heart of the matter. And so that's what I want to address with you today. We are adults. I'm not here to make this decision for you, but I want to provide some biblical context that not only in this issue, but in all of these issues, what is the position that I need to take as a follower of Christ? Realizing that some of these are addictive things. And for a lot of people that say, I can, can, I can do it in moderation. How many say that, yeah, that's kind of a little tongue-in-cheek for most people, right? We realize that a lot of times that these are taken for a direct or an intended purpose. Rarely for moderation. There's usually another purpose. So let me give you at least just three understandings before my friends come to help me today. I think number one, there is a contrast between being lawful and being expedient as a follower of Jesus. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, all things are lawful for me, those things that are lawful, but not all things are helpful. So I think you say, Pastor, what's some biblical context for me when obviously the community or the culture is going to move out into ways that, that are different from the, how I was raised or obviously the people that I work with or the proliferation that now it's becoming more and more acceptable? Paul argues that what we do with our bodies is part of our Christian witness. Because as he said in Galatians 2, it is no longer I that live, but it is what? Christ who lives in me. So if you want some kind of context, we realize that Paul's saying, yeah, certainly in, in his culture, in his day, as true as it is in ours, that there are things that are legal, that, that again, aren't going to, quote, send us to hell, aren't the worst of sins, but Paul also wants to challenge a growing believer that all things aren't necessarily helpful to my witness, to my physical life either, and that I have to base my lifestyle and my Christian witness on that as well. As well. Paul continues to make it clear as he goes on to say, all things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. Now, for some of us that might be in our 40s or our 50s and and, and have never struggled with that. It doesn't feel like this is a sense like, oh, all of a sudden, right, in my 40s or 50s, I am going to become a full-blown alcoholic, a full-blown drug user or whatever. I mean, those are probably some standards or life practices that you have probably have locked in right now. But as a church, we're not just addressing those that are in their 40s or 50s and, and have bypassed some of the influential moments of their life. We're realizing that as a church, we are totality from the nursery right to the senior. And so we have a, 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 a mode or a roadway that we are continuing to pave that speaks not only to me, but to the generations that are coming behind me, the, the witness that we are wanting to provide and prove. I would imagine that a lot of you, I know in my life, um, I certainly had godly and spiritual biological parents, right? My mom and dad but I also look back in my life that I had multiple uh, spiritual parents growing up as well. Anybody else have a few seniors, right, ahead of me that I look to that were living lives exemplary for Jesus? And I know that they had a huge impact still on my life today. Uh, I grew up probably about three and a half hours from Erie out in central Pennsylvania 
And some of these guys over the last five, five or ten years, um, they, were, they were older when I was a kid, and, and they got to the place now late in life where several of them have passed away, and I felt compelled to go to their funeral, to drive three and a half, four hours as a, as a sign of thankfulness to that family to say, you are like a father to me. Your life, when I think of you, and I would say this to the family, to the wife, to the, to the husband, to the, to the kids, that my life is better today because of the lifestyle that you lived, that, that your loved one lived. And I hope that there are people at Real Life that together we are going to lay that road or that example for those that are coming behind us. And even though the world would say it's legal or it's okay, that God has a tighter tolerance level for you and I because the wake behind us is significant. Paul said, all things are lawful, but I will not be dominated by anything. All things are lawful, but not everything builds up. And I think if we're looking for some biblical context, no matter what it is as an adult, and again, I'm not here to be your parent, I'm here hopefully to give you some things to consider that there are activities or things that we involve ourselves. Being filled with the Spirit leads, the Bible says, to self-control. Whereas oftentimes, whether it's alcohol or getting high, most people will say, I do it because I want to lose my inhibition. Right? Whether once guys get drunk, all of a sudden they're 10 feet tall and bulletproof, right? Once, once I get loaded, you know, then, boy, the, whether it's the real me or the real that I, I and, and the same way, there, there is intent and purpose for the, for the most part, I think, that we have to be honest about, that there are a lot of people that, whether when they're going to smoke a joint or smoke marijuana, it is with an intent, right, to, to lose their consciousness mind, to, to lose their issues and problems, and I think that's what we have to reason. Is that, is that really what is the bypass of my life? That I need this kind of escapism, that, that Jesus is not enough. I think there are some, again, when we kind of ride the line, you know, even with alcohol, or maybe that, that somewhat of a difference. Somebody commented that a glass of wine complements food, but doesn't necessarily have to lead to intoxication. Whereas the whole point of consuming cannabis for recreational purpose is simply to get high. I thought that was a good point. I'm, I struggle with both of those issues personally, but I realize that, that that is a choice that each of us have to make. Let me kind of quickly hit point number two. I think the reminder, the, the, the reminder that the Bible talks to the believer is, is that we keep watch, the Bible says. That, that there is a framework that hopefully you learn here at Real Life that it's more than just what is an idea of morality, what is just necessarily right or wrong, but the Bible puts these kind of issues in the context of discipleship, meaning what is wise or what is foolish. And I think that's Paul's whole teaching on these kind of issues in the New Testament. It's not always just the issue about is it right or wrong, because again, and I've talked to you about some of these issues, things that I'm sure my dad would have chastised me with, some of the things that I have told you because, again, 30 years ago, I mean, they would have preached it as absolutely sin and you're going to hell, but the truth of it is, it's not. But in this idea, obviously, of holiness and being separate from the world, I mean, that's a valid 
thing to talk about. So it's not so much, again, it is, but more than the question of is it right or wrong, but as a follower of Jesus, is this kind of activity in my life, is it wise or is it foolish? I think the consideration is that Jesus continued to talk to his disciples that they watch, keep watch, be vigilant. Why? Because there is a, a wake. So our family, when my son was home, we, I think I may mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, or at least to some people, but we went down uh, along the bayfront and we rented a speedboat for the day. Um, and we had, a, we had a blast, it was a great time, but going through the channel and going out into, into the lake, there's big signs there that say, no wake zone. Most of you are probably aware of that. That just simply means you can't go through the channel at like 40 miles an hour because what goes behind the boat, right, you're causing those wakes, those waves that go behind you. And so they say it's a no-wake area. And so when I use that terminology, I, I think that your life and my life in this spiritual journey is behind us, is that we are creating a wake. And it's either going to be a, a wake that is, is godly and that, again, people are attracted to. It might be a wake that, again, considers people to say, well, man, I don't know, you're you kind of live one way, this way, you know, and, and then you kind of do this on a Sunday, and, and it's somewhat confusing. And then there are others that, listen, I'm just, you know, going to live for me, and, you know, and I'll, I'll kind of wear the Christian moniker wherever I can. And I think that Jesus, again, his challenge is that we be sober, that we be vigilant, and not sober in the sense of alcohol, <laughs> that we are sober in our decision-making and our discipleship life, that Again, some of these things, although they may not be legal, are they helpful for me? That, am I relying on the government to make a choice for me, or am I allowing God's word to be the preeminent decision in my life? And then thirdly, that we adhere to biblical standards in light of a legal position. Again, sadly for a long time, the church has leaned too heavily on the overlap between state and church for a strength for our conviction concerning, well, what is right and what is wrong. John Piper wrote this, the church has leaned on the culture for its catechism, its teaching, its inspiration, and its conviction. So in other words, when it comes to these kind of sour subjects, unfortunately the church, most churches have remained silent or have allowed a liberal sense or, you know, and again, for me, although I can say to you as adults, you're going to have to decide, you know that me as your pastor is really pulling for you not to fall into the traps of these kind of things. I can't control you. I can't father you. But you know that my pastor's heart is that as a church, that we are not looking to about how close to the line can we be and still be a godly church. My heart for you, my heart for us, is that we be a triumphant church that has the desire to live holy and righteous in this dying age and that we reveal the presence and the power of God, that he can break chains, that he can deliver, that we're not, uh, you know, we're not pushed to the extremes, but that we want to keep our eye and our focus on Christ and let him be our source and let him be our God. Can you agree with me that that's who your pastor is today? So we are not perfect, and we are going to be hit with all of these issues kind of as the years go on, but we're not going to allow, I don't want you, I'm not here to, to, to parrot, you know, what, what the government says or what the law say. I'm here to tell you what does God's word say, and where it doesn't say it explicitly, I'm here to tell you in context what I believe God has 
for the church and for the believer today. Again, you might say, Pastor, are you sure? Like, why are we talking about this? Listen, could you consider with me the behaviors that were once illegal that are no more? At one time, divorce was illegal. That adultery was illegal. Homosexual practices were illegal. Sabbath breaking at one time was illegal. Come on, somebody in America, right? Abortion was illegal in every state. Thank God after all these years, right? There, there's some central coming on. So why do we talk about this? Because as I've said before, it's not going to get easier. It's going to get difficult. Let me finish with this last verse, and then I'm going to invite my guests to come. First Peter chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. Again, Peter was speaking again to a society and a culture that was, again, coming out of, of wickedness and sinfulness and into the light and the glory of the gospel. He said, for you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do. He's talking to, to these newfound believers. Peter recognized what I want to say to us as a church today. Listen, let's deal with this issue sooner than later. Let's be people that are going to create a wake behind us so that our kids don't have to suffer or struggle with the decision. But they can make their mind up in junior high. Man, I'm not messing with that stuff. I'm not getting involved with that. Why? Because the witness of not only my godly parents, but my church godly parents have created such a force that I want to follow God. And I see their example and God's blessing on their life that I want to follow in that desire as well. Here these pagans living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. They are surprised that you do not join them in your reckless, wild living, and they heap abuse on you for that. Praise God that we will take some shame or laughter or whatever for being followers of Jesus, amen? For not participating in what the world has normalized. The biblical spiritual parental church responsibility over time, unfortunately, has been significantly neglected. And that neglect is now being exposed by the speed and flagrancy of our culture's normalization of sin. You see, why we have to address this and why we talk about this, because the things that we thought 10 years ago or 20 years ago, kind of like today, that we never thought we would have to address in church. Certainly our culture, the Christian culture, the American culture would say no to this, that we would have a standard, that we would raise a standard, but unfortunately that is not the case. And it's not going slowing down, it's not going backward, it's only going forward anymore. So today I'm really honored to have a couple of friends come and join me today. First, Dr. Carrie Peterson is going to come and join me, and then Sergeant Anthony Attella is going to come on the other side today. So guys, welcome. Can you give them a big hand today for coming to help talk about this kind of issue? So whatever works for you, Doc, you want to sit over here? Anthony, thank you so much. So as part of this, I realized that I obviously wanted to present, you know, kind of a, from a, the biblical standpoint, but, but here are some guys that are involved in the day-to-day -day issue of certainly drug abuse or the, this legalization issue and what, what takes place. So Dr. Carey is a primary care physician, but uh, as we were talking just this, 
this last week is also, whether still, but at least initially, has been volunteering or committing himself to one of the addiction clinics here in Erie as well, and he might talk about that in just a minute. So along from just kind of his normal practice, he recognizes that you know, his heart has gone out, that, that this is a serious need, certainly in every city, but, but in our city as well, that we've got addicts that um, are looking. And, and some of that challenge is how do we medically uh, wrestle with this issue of now the proliferation more of medical marijuana or I'm sure people coming to see our medical professions looking for medical cards for marijuana and and is this a gateway and is this an opportunity and openness how does our medical profession respond to these kind of things so I'm going to let Dr. Carey address that and then Anthony is a, a sergeant of the Erie Police Department and I've asked Anthony to share with obviously seeing you know, what's happening on the streets? What's happening among our juveniles? Do, do we all have kind of this idea, and, and maybe not us, but whether those in the church are the idea, oh, pastor, come on, you know, like marijuana, it's no big deal, it's like whatever. But what is it doing to the crime rate? What is it doing to our, our student population? What's it doing to adults? I think Anthony shared with me that almost every stop or almost every... Uh, a challenge that, that we have with the community that in some way that, that marijuana or drugs is a part of it. You know, maybe it was a traffic stop, but regardless, they're going to find drugs. Like, this is a, a big force. So, so Anthony's going to address that issue about what, what's right here on our own street as well. So, Dr. Kerry, thank you so much. We had a great conversation the other day, and again, I know there's a lot to talk about in a short amount of time, so we're going to kind of talk maybe a little kind of some pros and cons, but yeah, why don't you kind of Give it to us from your perspective today. Well, thank you for having me here today. Um, like Pastor said, uh, I'm a primary care doctor uh, by uh, trade, and uh, over the past five years, I've been approached multiple times to work with uh, opiate addicts and methamphetamine addicts, and uh, and it's been a, a tough road, but it's it's necessary. And I see a lot of marijuana, a lot of THC. So THC, that's the uh, tetrahydrocannabinol, and and its counterpart CBD, which is uh, cannabidiol. That's kind of interesting how God makes things because it was a plant that's been around for thousands of years and it was originally grown in Eastern Asia. Um, so it's natural and it, you ask, well, what's the difference between THC and CBD? Well, the difference is its chemical composition and how it's arranged. So they're both identical in totality but it's the arrangement of the chemicals in the CBD versus the THC that changes. Um, only God can do that. Mm -hmm. um, THC is the chemical that gets you high or the, the formulation that gets you high. And CBD, they, they put in parentheses, it, it makes you well. Um, so when you talk about CBD, they promote CBD as an anti-inflammatory, but it doesn't make you high. So it's acceptable. The THC is more the gets you high part. In totality, though, we've got more than 44 million people in this country using marijuana. And it's interesting because 34% of those people, and it's probably much more now, this is between 2018 and 2019. It's interesting because even now, it's even further that the 18 to 25-year-old demographic is 34% of that. So there's a lot of people using marijuana, a lot of young kids. And actually, at least 12% of those people using marijuana are age 12 to 18. Wow. So there's a lot of people using marijuana. So what about marijuana in itself? Well, the problem with marijuana is that 
many times it leads to chronic use disorder. That's that addictive nature, that, that compelling nature that takes you out of reason. And they say that in states that have recreational marijuana, which is more than 11 states now, there's 34 plus that have medical marijuana. 11 of those states have recreational. There's more than 25% rise in chronic use disorder amongst people that are using marijuana, and that 18-year-old demographic is a problem. So that's where we start to get our apparent um, behavior towards society and societal norms and addiction and, and family distress and interpersonal distress. Well, what about interpersonal distress? Well, they're doing studies in Colorado, and they're finding that the number one reason people are going to the ERs that are using THC is because of panic. Marijuana itself, it has adverse effects such as tachycardia, so it raises your heart rate, it gives you dry mouth, it sedates you, it gives you anxiety in high doses. So what's happening is these folks are going to ERs with panic attacks. They're getting dizzy, they're nauseous, they're not feeling well. So we're seeing a rise in Colorado of these people going to ERs because of the side effects of marijuana. So that's a, certainly a deterrent for us to think that this is a good thing. So, and they were kind of the first, almost Colorado was that's kind of right. picked out, right? So we're obviously everything that's going to track from there, right, is, is still to come. For sure, for sure. They're blazing a trail. The other thing is they're finding more respiratory infections and disorder in Colorado as well in the ERs because you're inhaling. It's the primary form of using it, inhalation. It's kind of funny, because, but the formulation, so you've got these oils out there that have marijuana in them, and they're pretty strong. They can be up to 50% THC. You guys have heard of these dabs, these dab pens, some of us anyways, but, but dab pens can be up to 90% marijuana, or THC, excuse me. It's very strong, so that's why we're seeing these increased rises of, of panic and anxiety. What about marijuana, THC, in the, the long-term use? What, it, what do we have to worry about? So when you're a heavy user, <clears throat> excuse me, one of the things we worry about is it works on the heart because you can get tachycardia, so you gotta watch out for cardiovascular disease. It works at the level of liver and can increase fibrosis of the liver. It affects the pancreas, and we're seeing more diabetics because of THC use. Mental disorder, so schizophrenics and mental disorder, it, it exacerbates these conditions. What's interesting too for those pregnant moms out there, marijuana, crosses the placental border and it's and it's lipid soluble so it will reach breast milk and it will work and affect the infants now one of the other big concerns and you touched on some of my medical points is that it also affects the hippocampal region in the central nervous in the brain the hippocampal region involves memory and executive processing so when you talk about sedation, you're talking about memory, you're talking about rational decision-making. One of the issues is that we're finding our kids, and they're starting to do studies on us, our kids are decreasing in IQ because the hippocampal regions are being dumbed down and numbed, and they're starting to go ahead and not, doing as, not do as well as they were otherwise. However, it's so new that studies are still um, ongoing for sure. The other thing I want to go and comment about is just marijuana itself. It's kind of interesting. So we got marijuana. Someone said just the other day, 2022, how can marijuana not be legal? Well, right now, marijuana is still category one. That is on the lines of heroin, ecstasy, and LSD. 
It's a bad drug, federally speaking, right now. So all these states out there that have legal marijuana, if the feds wanted to crack down, it's not legal. The, the Food and Drug Administration does not recognize this as a legal drug with any benefit whatsoever. Actually, that's part of the reason, just a little personal vendetta. That's one of the, that vignette is, that's one of the reasons why I don't prescribe medical marijuana. I work in addiction, okay? So I do methadone, suboxone, Vivitrol. I do all of these things. But I haven't bought on to medical marijuana because it's illegal to me. Just mentally speaking, I want to be above board. I don't want to be on a registry. A lot of my doctor colleagues are. I will maybe in the future because I gave you the bad stuff. The good stuff is I do work in addiction. I have many recovering addicts that are using marijuana and they're off of opiates. They're not on the streets. So there's a, there's a positive there. What about other positives? Well, the, the proponents of medical marijuana talk about it's an anti-inflammatory agent, okay? It relieves pain. Cancer patients, it works with nausea. Those that are extremely cachectic, it increases appetite. CBD has been known to decrease mental illness if controlled. So there's your arguments right there because if you have someone, what about indicators? What about indicators to get your medical card? Well, what about you're that person with multiple sclerosis and you have muscle spasms? You can decrease muscle spasms with CBD. What about if you have inflammatory bowel syndrome and you don't do well because you're nauseous and you're sick most of the day? There's your THC, there's your nausea, there's your appetite. What about those that have chronic arthritis? What about those that um, uh, have, have depression? Now, when it's used in moderation, there's, a, there's sativa increases mood. It make, can make you a little anxious. Indica can make you feel a little better. So they're working with these hybrids to make people feel better. So uh, in totality, there's a place for medical marijuana to make people feel well, to take them out of pain, to give them a normal life. The problem is you have these chronic use disorders. You have these side effects with the cardiovascular system and the liver and the, the pancreas and uh, too much, you, you, get, you get some panic. So the reality is it's a mixed bag. Do I have a personal opinion? Well, yes and no. I'm not going to give it to you, but I, <laughs> but I will tell you this. I will tell you this because the, the officer is going to go ahead and talk about the legal ramifications and, and I agree with responsibility. But God spoke to me this morning, and he said to me, he said, Carrie, he said, you wore a mask for multiple years, and I still do at my office, because I don't want to go and expose anybody to COVID-19. I never liked that. It always bothered me that I had to do that, because I'm well. I got vaccinated. I did all these things. And someone said to me, well, what about my grandfather? Well, guess what? If I can wear a mask, for one grandfather or one grandmother, or I can help one person because, because that daughter is afraid of me giving them the COVID, I'm going to wear that mask for you because like the 99, that one person's important to me. Well, what about that person that has Parkinson's? What about that person with cancer? What about that person that has significant rheumatoid arthritis? Am I going to deny them the medical marijuana that may help them live a normal life because I am afraid of the the 99 others that are abusing it. I gotta be careful with that. So 
that's why it's an ongoing conversation. So that's why it, it, it's, a, it's a really fine line whether or not this is a good thing or a bad thing. Yeah. And, and, and one more thing I just want to get a comment is I totally agree, too, that all things are acceptable to me, but not all things are good to me. And I agree with that wholeheartedly. That's where individual responsibility and parenting comes into play, too. So we don't need the government to tell us that our kids shouldn't be smoking marijuana on a regular basis. It's a, it's a parental issue there. Mm. So, I mean, these are discussions I think we need to keep having. Absolutely. Thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Yeah. So who should speak the next time Pastor Jim goes away on vacation? Man, great job, Dr. Carey. Uh, you know, and that was, so it was kind of funny when we were talking the other day, and, and that was kind of, kind of the issue as well. So Debbie's mom talked about diabetes and, uh, you know, contacted that, you know, horribly at the later, well, for a long time in her life, but obviously it increasingly got worse to where she was hospitalized. And the first round of responses that the doctors put her on prescription meds, um, heavy stuff, and I mean, just, she was gone. Uh, she was in the bed, but we had no quality of life conversation as a family with her. And the discussion came is that they have the medical marijuana issue that could help her pain. She had neuropathy and, and horrible pain. And they began to transition with her. And Debbie would say, I got my mom back for a while. Um, it was dealing with this pain issue that we were able to have conversation and having uh, some quality of life, although degrading, but, but I mean, going away, but, but uh, getting better. And so, again, and that, you know, Doc kind of asked me, he's like, what's your position on it? Like, I'm like, oh, no, I mean, like, you're not saying, I'm not saying either. No, no I, I'm not afraid, I guess, or not, it's not that I'm not afraid, or you're not afraid, but I think this is the part is that we are going to have to have a position, right? There are going to be a lot of realities and some hypotheticals and how we meet in the middle on all that is kind of what brought about this discussion today. So, Sergeant Attila, thank you for being here. Um, and uh, obviously, we're kind of talking about, and what Doc brought up and what we were talking on the phone yesterday, is that marijuana will still send you to jail, right? Um, maybe not for long term, but, but so kind of when we think this recreational, like, oh, it's, you know, now I can do it, I can have it in my car, whatever. Um, even though this guy goes to RLA and you're a member here, he's still going to put you in jail, all right? Um, so, yeah, talk to us, Anthony, about, so what kind of, what, what are you seeing on the street or what are you guys dealing with right here in our own community? So, I work in the city of Erie, so I have no comment for our jurisdiction and all the experiences I have. It might fluctuate from place to place, but um, pretty much it's everywhere. I mean, marijuana is on a day-to-day basis that you can encounter. Um, domestics, uh, vehicle stops, um, just simply arresting people for other things. kids' lives. Um, the parents kind of downplay it a little bit. You kind of get the feeling you talk to them. They're just happy that, hey, my kid's not on heroin or, you know, my kid doesn't have a gun on him this time. It's only a little bit of weed. And that kind of just sets the pace for them and then how they think and it kind of just snowballs from there. So kind of culturally the mindset is, and again, I think that's what we have to be careful with is that some of our general understanding is that it's kind of a no harm you know, low issue, but the fact is legally it's still a big deal, mm -hmm. and obviously medically or uh, life-altering, it's still a big deal as well. Yeah, so marijuana is still legal. Um, just simple possession of marijuana is still a misdemeanor. Um, you could be arrested for it. You'd probably get a summons after that uh, to show up to court, and um, 
30 grams or higher in your possession is a felony amount, so you can still be charged with a felony. It's pretty much saying that you're uh, not for personal use, you're distributing it. Mm. But, um, and then how the courts look at that, it is illegal, and you will, you know, obviously get charged for it. But slowly, over the last 10 years, I would say, it really took a downfall of the uh, repercussions. Um, it's almost at like a summary level now where you're just going to, more so, if it's not on the big amount level, you're going to get probably a ticket for it. Yeah, so we're, we're not going to advertise that. We're going to cut that out of the live stream, <laughs> right? That's the way the government's kind of like <laughs> Yeah, evolving. so I mean, I, unfortunately, right, that, that's a scary statistic is to realize that the potential of all of this, yet I guess trying to piece all this together, but in a sense it's become so common that now the court's like, we've got bigger fish to fry, and, you know, are we really going to deal with this or just kind of move it off the plate? And that's kind of been what is seemingly happening, right? Yeah. Yeah. So what, so kind of in our, our city as well, you know, like you had mentioned, how, maybe just specifically, or we'll finish with this, kind of on the, the juvenile process, I mean, are, are these things that the officers or when you're coming into to juvenile situations, what, what is the vibe or what is the feeling like within them? Obviously, it's being used. Do they, do they uh, you know, do they count it as serious or making a big deal or is it, you know, quote, that everybody's doing it or this is just part of the life style of a lot of our kids in our city? Yeah, they are uh, pretty open about it and almost like it's, you know, nothing. It's really on their level as smoking cigarettes, uh, drinking alcohol, or even less than that, to be honest with you. Um, it's not... It's not really looked at something in the community as something very bad. Um, you can kind of tell that the people in their lives kind of, you know, give them that sense. And then when they encounter us, it's like, oh, it's no big deal. Um, we try to counsel them a little bit and kind of explain that to them. But it's more yeah. like, I'm not hurting anybody. I'm not killing anybody. I'm just, you know, just trying to enjoy myself. And they don't think there's anything wrong with that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I had one more thought while you were talking, too. Um, and it really is like a lifestyle. It's like an everyday. Mm. It's not just like, hey, let's you know get together this time next month for a birthday party. It seems like it's an every mm. everyday thing, like a lifestyle. Like yeah, so addictive, right? I mean, so it's part of that addictive nature. And I get, and again, I think that's you know what Paul's saying: is this an issue of right or wrong, or is it of wise or foolish? That I think with a lot of these things, we just don't dip in and dip out. But but there is a design purpose for this. And like I said, other things that might be legal, and whether we talk about cigarettes or alcohol or whatever. I think as a believer in Jesus, you know, we have to, we have, to have that same mindset as well. And, and whether we say, well, it's just social or, or occasionally, and is, is that okay? But again, most of these chemicals or these processes, right, Doc, have a, the, the nature within them that you're gonna, there's going to be a desire more, right? They touch on parts where it's, it's going to be more than a once in a while, but there's, there's a craving that starts to happen in some of these areas as well. And I think that's the caution for us as a church, whether for you and your personal life, for your family, but hopefully for us collectively as a church, that, that the wake that is behind us, and, and we're all imperfect, right? And, you know, my, my plea to us as part of real life, and it, it's never going to be 100%. Unfortunately, in my career, I've met a lot of people, um, and they have... You know, they have a, you know, a whiskey in their hand, a cigarette in the other, and they're cussing like sailors, and then they tell me what church they're attending, right? And right away, I'm kind of like, oh my gosh, like, what kind of church is that, right? 
listen, we're all imperfect. We may never always come off in every situation in our life, in the public, whatever, but hopefully we are minimizing those kind of lifestyle practices to honor God, to honor His church, uh, that we as His family, that that wake and those things that are coming behind us are always honorable, that they are wise and not foolish as well. So, man, I want to thank you guys for taking the time with us today. Church, thanks for... um, letting us kind of dip into some areas that maybe we wouldn't get a chance. So, Josh, maybe you'll come up. So, you know, let me just pray. Obviously, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I want to pray for Dr. Carey, and, and, and as we close, you know, for you, your family, you know, again, maybe some of you are in the midst of maybe your younger children, obviously the, the presence of these kind of things. Maybe you have adult children that are addicted or are struggling in these areas, and, and as parents, our hearts break to know that, how life-altering um, that these things can be in our kids' lives, right? Whether as teenagers or even into adulthood. And, and, and how, can we, how can we help them? Um, and uh, obviously, I'm, I'm proud for the work that Anthony's doing on our streets and obviously the desire to keep us safe and to keep our community safe. And obviously for the work that Dr. Carey is doing, away from, from what he is called to do, to realize that there are some bigger needs right here in our own community and what can I do? You know, that's part of the vision of real life is that we're here to serve our community. You heard about these blessing baskets. I, I, hope, that, I hope we will be over the top. Again, we want to go to our police departments. We want to go to our first responders. We want to go to our fire stations. And we want to say thank you. Again, do they do everything perfect all the time? Absolutely not. But are they stepping into some areas where a lot of us aren't that we want to honor and bless them? And, and for Dr. Carey to, to be among those that are ravaged by addiction. And again, I'm sure it's not just kind of quote the typical druggie, but, but even executives, right? White collar people get overwhelmed and, like, and they turn in the wrong direction and they're, they're finding these needs. And so this need is real. And I hope that God will help us as a church be sensitive, uh, to, to have the right response, to be embracing. You know, I, I talked with the there were leadership of the track ministry that were at our camp. They're training national leaders right here at our camp. And they were talking about some of the stories of meeting some of these kids and the, the devastation that's in their life and the, you know, being sent to jail, you know, at 16 and 17. And, and you know, I, I gave her a phrase that's not original to me, but I heard it, but it's something that, you know, we try to bring it real life. We're not here to run from your mess. We're here to run to your mess. And I want that to be more than just a slogan or words, but I, I want you to know and our, our families to know that, that there are people that care and love and are here to help you. That it's unconditional. We realize that we're all imperfect, but we want God's help to help someone to make better decisions, wise decisions. So Father, thank you for today and this opportunity to touch on a sour subject that we really question, you know, is it inappropriate in church or we take time to do this and yet we recognize that among us that we have a voice and that we have a lifestyle practice that needs to, to be seen. So I pray for Dr. Carey as he, as he works among those that are addicted and those that are struggling at this point in their life and, and again even some own personal issues that we have to wrestle with about how do we give the best quality of life that you'll help him to continue to make wise decisions and be a blessing to his patients and and to our suffering community and we pray for for anthony and and our other officers that that attend real life and others that are on the force that you'll give them hearts of compassion and 
and the, the idea of protecting our society and our, our city and, and to protect them from the violence that, that still enrages our community as well. That if we can help protect in these small ways, that God, it will continue to grow, that we have a bigger voice to the bigger issues in our society as well. So God, thank you for this day that we can address this issue and for being a part of the church of God, for worshiping and honoring you today. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.